listening to audio from Oasis Church in Winter Haven, Florida. For more information about Oasis Church, please visit our website at www.oasischurchwh.org. And thanks so much for listening. So last week, we talked about the choice that we have between stress and rest. We know that the holidays and and the things that come as a result, all of the obligations, all of the the not obligations that really are at the end of the day obligations, how that they can create stress in us. And, And for some, it doesn't just take the holidays. Some of us endure unbelievable amounts of stress all the time. And last week, we just wanted to encourage you. We just wanted to give you something that you could, you could take home with you, a, a, a confident promise that stress doesn't have to be what defines us, that we can actually choose to come to Christ in the same way for followers of Christ, in the same way that we come to Him for forgiveness, the same way that we by faith come to Him for redemption, to be brought into the family of God by new birth and adoption, by trusting completely and wholly in who He is and what He has done for us. In that same way, followers of Jesus who can get really tied up and twisted around by stress because we go to carrying things that God never intended for us to carry, especially in the way we try to carry them and control them. Jesus says, you can come to me. When you're weary, you're overburdened, and I'll give you rest. Not I'll take away the the stressful things around you, but that I'll give you rest. I'll link you up by yoke to the burden with me. I'll pull the heavy part. You just walk beside me, and you'll find that those same stressors aren't nearly as heavy when you allow me to pull the load for you. Today we want to address something that you may or may not, at this point in time, feel or or weigh under, and that is brokenheartedness. You know, we, we see heartbreak all around us. For us, we see it most often when we're looking at our, our, our watching the news or we're looking at our news source apps where we see images of people who are suffering greatly all over the world. And we see the, 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 the wrenched faces of individuals who are in war zones or in places where, where food is scarce. Medicines are not plentiful, and, and, and there's a lot of worry and concern. And we're talking about not just stress, but we're talking about life circumstances that go beyond what, what most of us have ever experienced. And we see that, and we see the brokenness. And we go, how, how does anyone navigate those kinds of life circumstances? And, and, and for the most part, we, we feel ourselves distant from that feeling of brokenheartedness until a significant life event happens. Until something happens that we weren't expecting or, or maybe something happens that we 
quite frankly, were expecting but had no idea what a devastation it was going to be in our life. You know, as I was thinking about how to, how to define that brokenheartedness and, and, and boil it down into a feeling, the, 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 the term I came up with was hollow. When something happens in your life and, and, and everything you know you're supposed to think and, and be and do, it just kind of gets swept away like a flash flood coming through your life and just sweeping away every, everything you would have reached to grasp for and there you are just simply hollow. Some of you feel that way right now. For some, the holidays bring the feeling that is hollow. Because the holidays are never going to be what they used to be. Because of this significant life event or, or, or the thing that transpired in our family and it's just not ever going to be the same. And so, so when everyone else is excited and, and joyous about the decorations and the pageantry and all that's going along in all honesty, you smile and you do your best to, to try to be a blessing, but really inside you feel hollow. And, and, and what I have to believe is that before long, we will all experience that if we've not already. So today I want to be an encouragement to you from God's Word that, that, that even though the hollowness and, and the circumstances will be there and, and, and we will face them as we do until Christ returns, I, I believe that God's Word speaks directly to the feeling. And I believe that we have a choice today between walking hollow or being held. I love it when, uh, when kids get beyond the stage of, of you know, they're, they're clueless. But they get to the place where they start recognizing individuals, right? And, and when they recognize individuals that they know and, and that they trust and, and, and that, of course, that they like... And you walk into the room and, and you see them do this right here. I mean, that's, that, it, it feels like my, my youngest is uh, next week about, he's in the back, so I'm just going to tell on him. Next week he goes for his driving test. Please pray for this child. <laughs> he so badly wants to get it on his first try. He just is, is just bringing anxiety levels to its height. He just wants to do this. He wants to get this done. He wants to walk out of there with his life. So pray for my youngest. But he's driving now. That's my youngest. I mean, I, I can't hardly look through my, my photos of when they were little. I mean, there was a time in my life, in, those of y'all who have been around here for a while, you won't believe that there was a time in my life when my middle son my middle son was mine, okay? Because we had a self-reliant five-year-old, okay? Five, six, seven-year-old. And then Wes, and he was still a toddler. And then we brought the other baby along, you know, which just ruined everything for him. And so Cade got all of his mama's attention, but Wes was mine. I mean, and, and you know, he wanted to be with dad. Somewhere around 13, that changed, but... 
I just, I think back on those days and I look at that and, you know, and, and we just, don't you just love it when they just want to be with you and they're just, you know, come get me. And, and it's just awesome. When they're in your arms, they are oblivious to what's going on around them because you got them. And I think what God does is say, can I give you a hug? Can, can, I, just, can I just wrap my arms around you? I don't know if y'all like the, the, the series, The Chosen, that's out. Well, Pastor Kevin, don't you know? Yes, I know. Anything that is ever done is always going to have something in it that we could go, well, that's not. Okay, can we just move past that and just go, I like The Chosen. Okay, I just like it. So if that bothers somebody, I, I guess that just bothers you. But I like it. One of my favorite scenes in this show is when Jesus is interacting with Nicodemus. If you've been watching it, then you know what I'm about to say. But if, if you hadn't been watching, I'm just going to spoil this for you because I want you to, I would like for you to check it out. Yeah, John 3, 6, uh, John chapter 3, and we read it, and sometimes it can get sanitized. You know, just It's words, and we are imagining, and, and we go through, and we memorize, and all that. And the chosen Jesus interacting with Nicodemus, and, and there's a moment where Nicodemus, the light goes on for Nicodemus, and he's like, I think I'm in the presence of Messiah. And, and Nicodemus goes to his knees before Jesus. And, and, and listen, one day every knee's going to bow. That wasn't a bad thing, okay? That wasn't a bad thing. That, he, that was the right posture to take. But, but with the artistic freedoms that they have, we don't know that this happened or not, but, but, but the actor reached down and he grabs Nicodemus and he pulls him up to him. And then those of you who have seen the, the episode... Jesus reaches out and he just hugs him. And Nick Demas just, I'm about to do it right now. He's just crying and, and I'm sitting there watching and I'm blubbering, man. I'm just, you know, it's just raining down. And I'm sitting there going, I want that. That's what I want. I, I just, I want to be there. If you know Jesus as your Savior, you, you get that. Even those of you who are not huggers, you go, I take that one though. I take that one all day long. That's what he invites us to. So for those who are in the hollow today, I think God says, want to come in here? Want to feel my embrace? Why do, we, why do we feel hollow? What makes us hollow? Simply put, sin that brings death it's what gives us those times of hollowness. In fact, it's what makes us hollow. We could do a series called The Walking Dead, which is what all people are apart from Christ. They're just walking, functioning dead people, hollow because of sin. Romans 6.23, the first half of that verse says, For the wages of sin is death. And I know that verse says more than that, but it does say that. It's a point being made at the beginning. What you and I deserve for our sin is death. And if Christ doesn't return, that's what we all physically are going to face. There's no way around it. No one has escaped death. No one will escape physical death. It is a 
a phenomenon that's going to affect every human being. It's because of sin. It's, it's a consequence. Well, not only our, our, our physical death, but also that spiritual death, that separation between holy God and broken man. It's just the way it is. Sin brings about death. And death has a, 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 an uncanny ability of showing up in our life even when it's not our time to die. The, the reality of death, the, the reality of brokenness, the reality of separation just comes up time and time and time again. Some of those reasons come through the death of a loved one. I've, I've, never, I've never known of, of, of anything that, that, that creates the hollowness in one more so than the, than the loss of a loved one. You see it in their eyes. You, you, you hear it in their, in their voice. They're trying so hard, but it seems like the, the farther they dig to try to find some ground on which to stand, they just are hollow. And that's just the reality of, of death affecting us even when it's not our death. The broken relationship of a friend or family member can create a hollowness inside. It can create a, a, a void that we feel like might not ever be filled. It's not supposed to be that way. We were friends and something happened or, or, or we, were, we were close in, in our family and, and, and now it's broken and that's not the way it's supposed to be and we feel hollow inside. The betrayal of another. Someone that you could count on or you thought you could count on turns and betrays you. Causes you to, to, to not know what to think. Can I not trust anyone? Can, can I not expect anybody to be true to their word? The loss of a job that you've been a part of for a long time can create a situation of, I don't know where to turn. I don't know what to do. That's what I've been doing. That's all I've known. And the circumstance could either be downsizing or it could have been the result of being let go. And it seems that regardless, it creates this hollowness. I've stood beside folks as they've watched their homes burn. Just down the road, I remember uh, hearing the sirens uh, not too many years ago. It was around Thanksgiving time. And they had put their Christmas tree up just down the road in our, our subdivision. And I saw all the lights. Uh, I happened to be sitting up and, and I thought, what in the world is going on? I saw them, you know, maybe five houses down. So I, I put on a sweatshirt and I walked down to see what was going on. And there stood the family. And it was cool even in Florida, but they were standing out there. And, and, and I know they were cold, but they were numb watching their home just burn. Is, is there anything I can, can do to help? And I, 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 don't, I, don't, I don't know. You know. A blanket in that moment was what they needed, but th they didn't have the wherewithal to even know. You're putting your spouse on a helicopter, taking him off. And you're like, Lord, Lord what, what, what in the hollow you got you get the call about your wife praise god car accident yesterday 
should have done a lot worse. She's here. You've got communion. Thank you, Lord, for Miss Luann. But you get the call. I've been in an accident. <gasps> Sucks it out of you. We, you get it? Here's another means of hollowness when we let sin in our life as followers of Jesus. When we let sin become the norm, when we let sin reign in us, meaning that we're running our own show and we're thinking the way we think and we're reacting the way we react instead of allowing the indwelling Holy Spirit to be the one leading us into the way of Christ, we're letting sin reign in us. And I just don't know why I feel so hollow before the Lord. You know, I come, I, it's, it's like I just don't have any joy in my life. I don't have any, any desire to walk with Him. I'm just empty. Could be because of sin. Could be sin in your life. Could be sin in the life of one close to you that is just sapping all of your attention and energy. The reality of the wages of sin is death saps us like the cooler when we get to the end of our beach day trip the ice has melted and we unplug the little thing on the side and let all the water drain out until the ice chest is empty hollow and for many the holidays make it even worse I love what the scripture says to to God's people in Psalm chapter 139. It says, O Lord, you have searched me and you've known me. It's not just the past tense. He searches us and knows it. Whatever you're feeling, and if you're one of the hollow ones today, God knows how you feel. God knows where you are. He says in verse 2, you know when I sit down and when I rise up, you discern my thoughts from afar. You search out my path and my lying down. You're acquainted with all my ways. Even before a word is on my tongue, behold, O Lord, you know it all together. You hem me in. You're, you're behind me. You're, you're before me. You're on my right. My left. I can't get away from you. You lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It's, it's high. I can't attain it. Sometimes I'm so hollow it doesn't even make sense. I get it intellectually, but I, I just, I don't, I don't know. Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I ascend to the heaven, you're there. If I make my bed in Sheol, it's in the grave, you're there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me and your right hand shall hold me. If I say, surely the darkness shall cover me and the light about me be night, even the darkness is not dark to you. The night is as bright as the day. 
for darkness is as light with you. What does this psalm do? This psalm tells us about our reality and God's reality. You see, our reality is up and down. Our reality is full and empty, full and empty, 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 empty. He never changes. The psalmist is saying, no matter what's going on in my life, the ups, the downs, you never change. You're always there. I can't, if I back up, I'm, 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 if I look for, I'm with you, right, to the left. I, if I try to run from you and go to the highest mountain, you're there. If I try to hide from you in the cemetery, you're there too. No matter where I go, no matter what I do, even, even when I turn the light off, doesn't hide me from you because wherever you are, there is no darkness. And even when I can't figure out how to turn the light on, you're there. Even there, verse 10, your hand shall lead me and your right hand shall hold me. God through Christ invites every one of his children to experience daily the reality of his presence and and if i can just be a little um free with the analogy his big old hug bringing us in when the times of hollowness we trade that and choose to be held held by him you see god's word says that First of all, the death and resurrection of Jesus addresses the death in our lives. Go back, Romans 6, 23. What does it say? The wages of sin is death. That's, that's the result. That's a consequence of sin in your life and my life. It's death and its reality is all around us. But see, that's like the greatest... That's like the greatest hub on which one of the most important verses of Scripture rotates. What is true and real for every human being is that what you deserve and receive for sin is death. Physical death, spiritual death, separation from God. You're a sinner, you know you're a sinner, and that's what you get. That's what you deserve. But, but the gift of God is eternal life. Not if you will act differently, not if you will just try harder, not if you will just make a, 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 a New Year's resolution that I'm going to be everything God wants me to be. No. What you and I live in because of what we are and, and, and what we do is death. But God's got a free gift. Some of y'all, bless you, you have, you have gone above and beyond You've provided gifts for kids at Youth for Christ. I've got many of them in my, my office already. 
It's going to be an exciting time on Wednesday when they open those gifts and they find, by the way, if you hadn't done that yet, it either needs to be delivered tomorrow or Tuesday or bring them to me because Wednesday's the party and I got to have them. So these kids didn't do anything to get those gifts. Like they, didn't, they didn't come and mow the lawn. They didn't do anything. They're just free. And they're going to be passed out on Wednesday night. They'll be put in front of them. And they have every ability to stand up looking at those gifts and go home leaving them at the place where the party's at. It didn't cost them anything. It cost someone something, which let's put that back. Even though God's free gift of eternal life doesn't cost us anything, it cost him everything. But they've got to take them. They've got to open them. They've got to take them home, put them on, wear them. See, what we live in is the reality of death all around us until we face our own. But God has addressed the sin and death in our life through the death and resurrection of Jesus. Jesus walked into death and took everything it had to offer. Jesus stepped into death's arena, said, give me all you got and they did they gave death gave him everything it had took his life in a tomb they laid him see what death didn't realize is is that he was in the process defeating taking it all on himself so that at the appropriate time the stone could be rolled away so that the folks could look inside and see victory Victory means nobody in the grave. He got up. So see, death has been addressed. Our hollowness has been addressed. It's been addressed by the person of Jesus through his death and resurrection. And if by faith you trust in him and him alone, your sin can be forgiven. You can be brought from death into life. You can be brought from darkness into light. You can be born and adopted into the family of God, given a new destiny for eternity, a new purpose for today, but you still live within the arena of death, and so hollowness is still a reality for us at times. And God says, I'm there. Get in here. Let's walk through the circumstance together. I know how you feel. I see your heart. I know what you think. I know your mind. I know where you're going. I know what you're trying to do on your own. I get it. I see it. I understand it. Now get in here. Let me hold you. Some of the things that he says to his children about our brokenness and grief. Psalm 34, 18 says, The Lord is near to the brokenhearted and saves the crushed in spirit. What breaks our heart? It's, it all goes back to sin. No matter how you divide it or multiply it, it all goes back to sin. What breaks us? Sin and all of its multi-layered consequences. But God is near to the brokenhearted. God can save those who are crushed. Crushed by our own sin through the death and resurrection of Jesus and crushed by the circumstantial realities that we face, got same God is near to those who are brokenhearted. You know, when, when you face difficulty, and you face a life trauma, many of you know to call me or text me. But you know the reality of, of that? is that sometimes I've set my phone on silent and put it on a shelf in a room that I'm not in. 
And that thing's going off and buzzing and, and the texts are piling up. You know, I, it's not that I don't care. It's not that I don't love you. I just don't even know it's going on. Why? Because I'm washing a car or cutting grass or something. And I'm not always easy to find. God is near. The psalmist has already said, you can't get away from him. God, oh, you're right there. Jesus, oh, well, you're, right, you're right there. Because he's always near to us. Isn't that important when we're brokenhearted? He also says in Psalm 58, uh, 56, 8, that you have kept count of my tossings. You ever tossed and turned in the bed at night? Because you don't have an answer? The psalmist is saying, God, I could turn to you and say, I have, I have tossed a million times tonight. And you could say, no, you hadn't. You've tossed 687. <laughs> and if you'll come on over, that'll be the, the 88th. Because he knows every one of them. But listen to what this says afterwards. The psalmist says, God, will you put my tears in your bottle? Wait a minute, what? God has a bottle for our tears? Well... It's not a heavenly Mountain Dew bottle that, you know, you know that's not what it, it's, it's a metaphor, right? But you know when, how, how many of you have kept a lock of hair from someone? You're like, you know, there's something kind of creepy about that. But it makes sense in some context, right? You got a lock of hair in your life? Of course you've got a lock of hair or, or something of memory of someone. Well, God has a a metaphorical bottle for your tears. You think, no, nobody thinks I should be crying about this anymore. Everybody thinks that too much time's passed and I just need to be getting over this and I, I shouldn't be feeling this way. God's not one of them. He's one that's interested in every one of your broken-hearted tears. Uh, Jesus teaching the multitude on the side of the mount said that, uh, that there's blessing in Matthew 5, 4. There's blessing for those who mourn. It says for those to be comforted. How can they be comforted? Because Jesus was there to address the root of what brings about human mourning. And when those folks recognized just exactly who and what they were dealing with, they would be able to trust in him. And while I might go through difficult times in this life, I've got confidence in who's in control because he got it from the dead. And they said that he ascended up into the heavens and said he was coming back. I trust what they say. They gave their lives for that testimony. I believe that. So I've got confidence in something bigger than anything going on. There's comfort for those who mourn, but mourning is a reality. God sees it. God knows it. That's why he stays near to the brokenhearted. Says, "Come on, get in here." Romans eight, verse thirty-eight and thirty-nine. Paul encourages us with this truth. He says, "For I am sure that neither death nor life, nor angels nor rulers, nor things present nor things to come, nor powers nor height nor depth." nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Period. Nothing 
can separate us from his love. Nothing can separate us from his presence. And he goes on to say, so therefore we are more than conquerors. <laughs> we, 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 can, we can face things that we would never be able to face on our own. Why? Because the love of God is ever present. One of my good friends talked about a trip that he made with his daughter when she was in her early teens and preteen, early teen. They went to India. They were just looking for ways to minister because she thought God may want her to go to India one day. He thought, well, let's go now and let's let you see it and, and let's pray on that. And they were in some places that were a little shady. And he asked her if she was scared. And she says, Dad, why would I be scared? I'm with you. I like that. God's near to the brokenhearted. God sees us when we mourn. God has a record of our tossing. God has a record and a, and a, 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 a bead on our tears. And nothing's going to separate us from His love because of Christ. Luke 12, 7 says, He even knows the number of hairs on your head. He's, he's that interested in you. Deuteronomy 31, 6 says uh, that, that because of who He is and because of what He's promised, He will never leave you or forsake you. Moses, of course, talking about Yahweh who was leading the people into the promised land. And then the writer of Hebrews, if he didn't just connect that same never leave you or forsake you that everybody in the Hebrew family knew was connected to Yahweh, well, if he didn't go right ahead and connect that to the risen Jesus, that's why it says he will never leave. Wait a minute, I thought you were talking about God, the writer of Hebrews says. Uh-huh. He's right there. Things we need to know when we go through dark times and feel hollow. God's Word tells us that we can come to God in confidence in our brokenness. Psalm chapter 39, verse number 12. The psalmist says, Hear my prayer, O God, and give ear to my cry. Hold not your peace at my tears. The psalmist is crying out. He's asking God, please don't ignore me. Please don't just, just let me lay here and wander and wonder. Psalms 18, 6 tells us what happens. In my distress, I called upon the Lord to my God, I cried for help, and guess what? From His temple, He heard my voice. My cry to Him reached His ears. You won't ever get a busy signal. You, you won't ever get a did not go through little bubble on, on your, your cries to Him. It, it won't come back out of the office, be back in a week. Your cries your hurt, your brokenness hits the ears of the God of the universe. He knows you. He hears you. So what do we do? Psalm 56.3, we make a choice. When I'm afraid, when I'm broken, when I'm hollow, I put my trust in you. I always read that verse and I think about Miss Carson's kindergarten graduations that we've been so many of. That was one of her memory verses that those kindergartens used to say. Why, why, why we pick that one? Because it's important. 
Because we're going to be afraid. We're going to be broken. We're going to be hollow. And what do we do? We have to make a choice to put our trust and our confidence in the one who knows us and hears us and is interested and has, yes, addressed our eternal death. Yes, has addressed what's, what is needful for forgiveness in our life. But he's also addressing those temporary realities that we face. So we trust him. We choose to. Psalm 34, 8. It's an invitation. I love it. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man or woman who takes refuge in him. I've never understood why when someone tastes something bad or they smell something bad, they go, whew, smell that. Or they take a bite and they're spitting it out. Have you tried that? Like, why would I want to try what you just spit out? Why would I want to smell what has just caused that face to come on you? But I'm telling you what, you get something good, Eugene, at Life Group with chocolate and peanut butter, praise the Lord. You, you'll get over in that corner and you'll be like, y'all won't like this. <laughs> you know, Right? Oh, this is horrible. You better leave that spot. You won't want it. We'll make sure it gets in the trash. So, it's like the psalmist that says, Oh, come here. You got to taste this. When you taste the Lord and His goodness, you'll know it for yourself. It's an invitation. Come to me. I've got to take off my yoke to come to Him to put on His yoke. I can't, I can't change the hollow. I can't change the broken. I can't change the hurt. I can't change the grief. But what I can do is come to Him. Move toward Him. He's already there. I'm not going to have to journey. He already knows. I can just fall on Him and groan on Him because He knows what's going on. And He says, get in here. I love you. I want to hold you. James 4, 8. Draw near to God. He'll draw near to you. It's an invitation. Matthew 23, 37. As Jesus is looking over the city that, is, that has rejected Him and ultimately is going to reject Him as Messiah. As he's moving toward them as they're pushing back against and seeking to destroy him. He says to Jerusalem as a, as a, a metaphor for the whole of the nation. How often I would have gathered you under my wings like a hen gathers her brood. And you are not willing. You wanted to stay where you were. And wouldn't come under the wing of the one who knows you and loves you. It's a choice. We can come to Him. We can experience His presence. But we have to move. You say, Pastor Kevin, I get it. What does that look like? I think it looks like whatever your cry sounds like. I think it looks like, Pastor, I don't even know what to pray. I just, I'm, I'm empty. I think you come before the Lord and say, God, I'm just, I'm just empty. 
I, I, think, I think it looks like, Pastor Ken, I'm just, I'm so angry about the circumstance that I'm in. It just, this shouldn't happen. It ought not be this way. And I just, I don't understand what's going on. And it just makes me mad. And, and if I'm going to be honest, I'm a little bit mad at God. You know what? He can handle it. Maybe one of the best things you could do is just find yourself in a lone place and just let God have it. Just tell Him how you feel. Just unload on Him. Because guess what? He already knows it. And He's still there. And He's still faithful. And He's still near. And He says, come here. I can think about the times with my kids. They didn't want to be hell. We were laughing uh, last night. Uh, you know, Aaron and Austin, they were dealing with a very tired and upset son. He just, he wanted cake, but he didn't want it. But I want, don't take it away from me. But I just, well, what do you want? I don't know what I want, but I know I'm not happy. And he was just not happy. And you know what they did? They walked around with him. And he's crying and flailing and just upset. And you know what? They never yelled at him. They just walked around, just patted him on the back. And eventually, you know what he did? He was gone. See, God can take it. Parents say, yeah, 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 let me have it. You mad at me? Fine, tell me about it. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm good. I, I, it's still going to be the way it is when you're not mad. Same way with God. He goes, just let me have Maybe that's what it looks like. But the choice is to come to him. But maybe it is you're here and you're not hollow. Well, you and I have a responsibility. You and I have a job to do for those who are. We're called to be the arms of our God to the hollow around us. Look at 2 Corinthians 1, 3 to 4. It said, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Paul writing to the church at Corinth. The Father of mercies and God of all comfort. He's just getting started. Blessed be the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all of our afflictions. And we know that, and we have testimonies of that, how that we have been at our darkest and lowest, and God was faithful, and He comforted us, and He brought us through. Why? So that we may be able to comfort those who are in affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. If you're hollow this morning, if you're empty in the holidays, just make it worse. We've got a choice to, to come and be held by our Creator, our Lord, our Savior. We can and He will. But we've got to move toward Him. We've got to trust with confidence in His presence and His love. And if you say, Pastor Kevin, I praise God, I'm excited about it. It's all coming up and I can't wait to decorate new stuff and I'm just so excited. Then you've got a job to do. Look around you and find the one who is broken and empty and hurting and take the comfort that you've received in your time of distress and go to them with some arms on loan from the one who brought you in. Take God's love to them. Just let it feel like your arms. Paul says in Romans that we're to love one another. In Romans 12, 10, we're to love one another with brotherly affection. We're to outdo one another, showing honor. 
Verse 15 says we're to rejoice with those who rejoice. And there's plenty of opportunity of that in this season. But we're also to weep with those who weep. What are we going to do today? We're going to respond. We're going to run to the Savior's arms. Every one of us have an opportunity in this room to run to the Savior's open arms. First, if you've never trusted Jesus as your Savior, you run to His open arms, the free gift of salvation. Trusting in Him and Him alone, His death and resurrection to provide you forgiveness and redemption that you need to save your soul from the death that is yours, physical and spiritual. Run to the Savior. You can do that today. He loves you. He's calling you. He's inviting you. But you have to respond. We can run to the Savior's arms this morning if we're hurting by bringing our brokenness to Him with honesty and confidence. Let him hold you. We can run to the Savior by identifying and drawing near to those around us who are hurting. At the end of the day, though, it's all our choice. Amen? Let's stand together. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Nobody's looking around. You know where you are. God knows where you are. He wants to hold you if you're empty, if you're hollow. He wants to speak truth to your heart, to your mind. That while these things are happening and this is how you're feeling, there is hope. And it is Him. And He is near. And He's going to walk with you every step. If you've never trusted Jesus, it looks as simple as, God, I know I'm a sinner, but I believe Jesus is the answer. And I trust Him and Him alone. Save me, forgive me. Give me that new life that you promise. If that's you today, please don't go away before you tell me what happened today that you've decided to, tr to trust and follow Jesus. I want to be able to walk with you. I want to be able to give you some steps forward and find out how we can walk this thing out together. Ask God to show you who it is in your circle that He wants you to bless with your physical arms and then do it for His glory. Father, we thank You so much for Your presence. We thank You so much for the reality that that you are who you say you are. What your word says is true. We can count on it with absolute certainty. We don't have to wonder. We don't have to hope that's what you meant. We can know it. We can place our full and complete trust in what you say. And I pray your word will speak to every heart in here. And God, even if, uh, even if, if through it all, the question is just, I just don't even know that God is real. I pray that you'll speak your presence to them. Whatever way you choose to do so, that they too may be able to come and turn to you by faith. God, you know what's in front of us. We ask that you will lead us in the way that we should go. Help us to trust you with all our heart, to recognize the futility of leaning on our own understanding and allow you to make our path straight. Use us for your glory. 
Show us the opportunities that we have. Give us the courage to respond obediently. We love you. We trust you. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, amen.